You'll notice that sometimes the unwritten rules are more important to people than the written ones. All right. Um, so, for example, at, at your place of work, there's probably, I mean, now maybe some of these uh, unwritten rules in some places are really important enough that someone actually wrote them down, which is what I've always thought. I thought if, if a rule is that important, just write it down, then it's a written rule. But like, like, I think most places, you know, it's, it's understood. Don't microwave fish, right? Everybody knows. <laughs> Don't do that. That's, that's a universal. That, but some, there's, there's some that are universal, and then there's some that might be specific to, uh, to, to your line of work. Uh, uh, there might be, you know, if you work in an office, there's probably some things about a copier. You know, I, I, I assume that that's, that's pretty sensitive to a lot of people, how the copiers left and who did what with the copier. Right? So uh, some just, just general etiquette things that, that we have. So, some expectations. Um, I have a list of rules of, of things that I'm supposed to do, job description, right? We go over that. We sit down and uh, every year and go over the, the written rules. There are unwritten rules. As well. uh, there's some unwritten rules. Uh, I was just thinking about it. That, uh, this is not my notes. This is a freebie. I was just thinking about this uh, uh, during communion. I don't know why this popped into my head. Uh, but it was... Uh, Something Tim said make me think about you know celebrating Christ and, and celebrating this. We are we are gonna if you are the person that takes care of the meal today. There's some some, some expectations um, and so many people today will celebrate the greatest Jew by making ham. I, I, that's, that to me is amazing that we will celebrate the greatest Jew by you know, that's an expectation. You know, we've got to have ham on. That's an expectation. There are two sermons I have to preach every year. Now, it's not in that list of rules. Uh, that's in my, in my desk there. But, but there are some expectations, right? I'm going to have to sell, I'm going to have to, uh, Christmas time, I'm going to have to have Christmas sermon. Um, and, uh, and, and on Easter, I'm going to have to have an Easter sermon. Now, <clears throat> the Christmas one's tricky because uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of which is, is that you know, Easter is easy because I always know what day Easter falls on. This makes it pretty easy. Uh, Christmas, Christmas is a little different uh, because it almost never falls on a Sunday, and so so that's a little tricky. Do I do it before Christmas or after Christmas? So you you got to know with the with the with the unwritten rule how to how those apply because because there's going to be expectations. Um, and well, I suppose if it's Christmas Eve, you know we we. Like, Year, year last year, a year before Christmas was uh, uh, on. See, Christmas was the, the day after. I think it was on Monday. So, so Christmas Eve was was uh, was Sunday. So that was pretty easy. You come in and do that. Uh, then uh, on a Wednesday, that's tricky. I mean, do you do it the Wednesday? I mean, now it's it's like three days old. I mean, kids are no longer even interested in their gifts. It's kind of it's already it's already on to. Uh, to moving on, you know, they're already counting down. It's like 362 days till the next Christmas. They've moved on from Christmas. So is, is it too old? Or do I have to do it the three days earlier? The Easter's easy. Easter's easy. Because I always know when it's coming. Now, there's was something tricky, uh, you know, uh, this year is, is you know, going through the, the scriptures and, and, and being early in the year, uh, we're early in the Bible still. So, so trying to do this and coordinate this with with, with some of the readings. It's a little difficult. It's a little challenging. The good thing is, 
this book is about the main event. You have to stretch a little bit to, to make a direct application. But really, there's, there's, there's the main event that all life has been leading up to, that, that all creation, everything, God says, from the foundations of the earth, Christ was crucified. And we celebrate something that God had. So, so when all of this was being written, all those stories, those weird stories, and all those genealogies, and all, all, all the details that, that you had a little bit difficult time starting this last week, was, ah, oh, that's First Chronicles chapter 1 through 8. How are we going to get through that? Julian cried. He was crying. He's like, it's names. It's just names. I'm like, that makes it really easy to read. Just read a list of names. You don't have to worry about pronouncing them right. Just, just read the names. Our culture is so connected to today. Still, our culture is connected to, to, to this day. How connected is this day? The History Channel will, if it has, and I don't watch the History Channel, they'll have stuff about Easter. Right? You know who owns the History Channel? Anybody know? Come on, someone out here knows. Disney. Disney owns. What do you think Disney's general disposition is towards all things Christian? Oh, maybe you stay abreast of the news, maybe not. Um, listen, if you, if, if you haven't heard it, you can Google it. They're floating little interesting tidbits. You want to pay attention to this one about just some of the things that, that they might do with Frozen 2. Just interesting things that they want. It's just a trial balloon, and they won't because they know that they'll lose a lot of money. But some things that they would like to set in front of your kids when Frozen 2 comes out next year. Google that. And yet they can't resist the money that is there at Easter time. They would love to get away from that program, but they can't. Too many people in our society are interested in that topic. It is the main event. And so it is not a chore for me. Now, some people like to really extend the the, the holiday sermons, they did Mother's Day and Father's Day and St. Patrick's Day and, I don't know, Secretary's Day sermons. They just got a, the, the, the 52 holidays of the year. Easter's not a chore at all. First Chronicles chapter 13. I'm going to read uh, a little bit from chapter 13 and a little bit from chapter 15. <clears throat> We're going to start this and you're going to wonder how this is connected to Easter. I know. But it's all connected. First Corinthians chapter 13, they're going to read verses 1 through 14, and then jump over to 15. It says, Then David consulted with the captains of a thousand and hundreds, and with every and David said to the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests who are Bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. And all the assemblies said that they would do this, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. And so David gathered Israel together from Shihor and Egypt to as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from 
Gergeth-Jerim. So David and all Israel went up to Bela, to Gergeth-Jerim, which belonged to Judah, to bring it up, uh, to bring up from there the ark of God, who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart to Abinadab and Uzzah in Ohio. Drove the cart. David and all Israel were playing music before God with all their might, singing on the harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. And when they came to the threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark because some of the ox stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was burned against Uzzah, was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark and he died there before God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. So therefore, the place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God to me? So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he had. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 15. We're just going to read a couple of verses over here, beginning in verse 11. It says, And David called for Zadok, and Zadok and Abiathar the priests and the Levites, Uriel, Isaiah, and a bunch of the others. And he said to them, You are the of your father's houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord... Our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children and the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded, according to the word of the Lord. You get the resurrection in there. Did you get? Did you get the this day in there? Maybe, maybe a little bit difficult. We have to start start with a with a box. We have to start with a gold box. Strange box. Picture a box. And there are two angels. And it said in here that between these angels, I was going to make one, but I didn't. A little short on gold. The, the, the wings of, of the these angels, they faced each other and they almost touched. And if you read this, it says that God dwelt between the, the angels' wings. God lives in this box. And God told him he lived in the box. No, God didn't live in the box. But he told him he did. And it's not a lie. He was just trying to express an idea that they could grasp something physical. If we looked at this box, we would be attracted to a lot of things, as various people were. Um, this box, uh, we would be attracted to the gold and, and the shiny angel. Uh, in between the feet of these angels, these cherubim, was a, a gold lid. And you take that off, that lid, and you could look inside. And what was inside was interesting. There was a, some stone tablets that had the law. Right? That was one of the things that was in there. They put that in there. And uh, this is a jar of manna from, from their wandering, just to, to look at that, and I guess. I don't know. Just to remember God's miracles or something. And then there was... Everybody remember that there was to do about who was who, and and uh, so 
So they went through and, and uh, God performed a miracle to show who had the authority. And so he had a stick, dead stick that started blossoming. And so they kept it. Be impressed with everything that was really unimpressive about this box. I'm not saying it's inconsequential, but, but our attention would be drawn to uh, the gold, certainly the wings of the angels. Oh, that's pretty. And um, some people would be attracted to the manna. That was amazing. The, 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 the God's providence in providing for their physical needs. Right? We, we get impressed about that. When we, when we think of God, we think of, of one of the things that we think of is we think a lot about God, you need to take care of me physically. So our attention might be drawn to that. And, and some people would be, be drawn to the miraculous things and the, and the, the, the amazing signs and, and think about how many times Christ said, oh, you like the signs and the evil adultish generation seeks signs. We love the signs and love the miracles. Interestingly enough, <clears throat> this is funny, uh, when, uh, when the ark made its way back, it didn't have everything it sent out. Got sent out with. Got, as it made its way back, it was missing some stuff because people are attracted to some some things. Uh, it was a, it was missing that jar of manna, and it was it was missing that that rod that budded because people's attentions there. Now it is kind of funny that when the Philistines sent it back, it still had the list of rules. Like we're not so much interested in that. <laughs> you can have the rules. We'll take the the, the interesting things. But there are people who would even be drawn to the Ten Commandments. There are people that, that love the list of rules. We would go, wow, that's amazing, this list of rules. We would look at the ark and go, wow, look at that. The, the Ten Commandments, the rules. I'm not saying the rules are bad. You said our attention would be drawn to all the lesser things. And we would forget about... This little lid. This little lid between the angel's feet, which is the most important part. This is called the mercy seat. And once a year, on the most important day, we've talked about this probably before, but on the most important day of the, of the year for the Jew, the high priest would kill a goat, and he would take that goat's blood, and he'd do something that you really shouldn't do to a nice shiny gold box. He went in there and he poured blood between the angel's feet on this little lid. In the New Testament, they use a different language. They spoke Greek, Aramaic. And uh, the word is a propitiation. The New Testament word for mercy. It says that Christ is our propitiation. That little thing that we would open Christ. And all the other things had to do with, but were not the main thing. And we get off on the rules and the, and the miracles and the, the God protects me and does all the providing for me. And those things are so important. They are, but they are not the main thing. So we know what the ark was. I said all that just to get our sermon, which is going to be quick. I wanted to set up just so we could understand this box and what it represented. 
And they're trying to get this box back. David's trying to get this box back. And there's, there's two very sad statements in, the, in what we read today. Very, very sad statements. In chapter 15, verse 13, look at this sad statement. That's a sad statement that, that someone had to die. That's not the statement we're talking about. That's a sad statement. That somebody died. He was trying to do a good thing. How did he die? Why did he die? But in chapter 15, verse 13, he says, you didn't do it right the first time. That's a sad statement. If they would have done it right the first time, he wouldn't have died. I wonder if God had the, the cow stumble to see what Uzzah would do. See, it, it wasn't unfair of God to punish Uzzah. The problem was is there was a specified way that that thing was supposed to be carried. But problems came when people took the shortcut and didn't do it right the right way the first time. People wanted to do it easy. I don't want to carry this thing all the way there. Let's have a cow do it. God didn't say to have a cow do it. God said have people do it. And he had little loops and poles and everything. And he had a nice special way to make sure that priests carried it. But the people that were supposed to know how to do it the right way didn't do it. That's why someone died. Understand that if we do not do it the right way, people will die. We don't get to make it up as we go along. I don't get to say what I want to say. I don't get to preach my opinions. I don't get to, to make it up. If I don't do it right, innocent people will die. What this says, that's what's important. It was important to begin the right way. There's another statement in here that's very sad. In chapter 13, verse 3. He says, let us bring the ark of our God back to us because we haven't inquired of it since the days of Saul. Why didn't they know how to do the right thing? Because they had not inquired since the days of Saul. They had not consulted God. They were just acting on instinct and impulse and reflex. They had reflex religion. It sat somewhere collecting dust and no one consulted it. It sat somewhere collecting dust. No one consulted it. No one consulted the presence of God. So they did not know what to do. I can't teach you the right thing if I don't consult what God wants me to do or to say. We get interested in all these other sources. We have our favorite podcasts, and we have our favorite commentaries, whatever, whatever age bracket you fall into. Right? Us old people, right? we, we like commentaries. That's kind of old school. And we consult all these different sources. I, have read, I read this book. I have this counselor. I have this, that, this preacher that I listen to on this TV channel, whatever. We have so many sources that we forget to go back and consult with God as to what He thinks about those sources. One of my buddies in college, he says, you know, the Bible sheds a lot of light on those commentaries. <laughs> we typically think of it the other way around. And yet, in our story, how great it is. 
is to be one man. How cool would it have been to be Obed-Edom? And they're like, uh, we can't go any further than this. People are dying around this thing, so could you have it? <laughs> like, I'm sure he's thinking, when that first got moved in, you know, uh, I don't know. This stuff, I, don't like, I don't like, every time this ark goes somewhere, people die and have various assorted problems. You're going to move it into my house. And God blesses him. There's a lot more to that story I would like to know someday. But God blesses him for three months. Who would it be? This is what we talked about before. God, when, when it, you're going to build the temple, I, I just want it to move around with my people. I don't know where they put it. In his guest room, I guess. God in your guest room. The presence of God there for three months. And blessing. I'm sure they came to take it. He's like, can we just have that just a little bit more? The presence of God meant something to him. I know that because he didn't die. People who took the, the presence of God for granted tend to die. He didn't. It was worth something to him. It was valuable to him. As we leave today, what we did here, we talked about, is the most important thing you do. Not just this day of the year. Not just this day of the week. We commemorate something that's supposed to be a lifestyle thing, a, a thing where God is present beyond the rules and beyond all the miracles and all that other stuff. Not just to be remembered one day, but to be a continual presence. We're going to stand and sing our closing song. If you haven't had the opportunity to have that presence, to know that presence, it's a life-changing thing. You can ask Obed. It was life-changing to have the presence of God. To take it for granted. To be so close and not consult it properly was disastrous for people. But to appreciate the presence of God was a life-changing experience. And it can be a life-changing experience for you as well.